Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, this, this month and last month too, we're talking about really one of the most essential factors for our life. It's, it's faith. You know, you can't please God without faith. You can't walk with God without faith. You can't participate in the promises without faith. And, and you know, I know we've worn faith out, if you will, over the last 50 or 60 years, but you know something? What we haven't figured out is how to connect the dots. We all know some things that we know are true, but they're just not manifesting in our life. And you know what? That's what I want to help you with. I want to help you connect the dots to what you already know, to bring together maybe a couple of missing pieces so that your faith will explode into something dynamic, into something that's workable. And today we're going to be talking about the two fundamental factors, the two fundamental elements that absolutely undergird every aspect of faith. And bringing these pieces into what you already know about God is going to change everything for you. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Hey, I've got a great download for you this month. All the evidence you need. You say what that's about? I'll tell you what that's about. That's about gathering the evidence to persuade your heart to believe God for whatever you need in your life right now. Listen, download this right now. It's my gift to you. You know, you've heard me say this before, but it's, it's so worth repeating. When we think of faith, because of how we've been influenced for the last 50 or 60 years, when we think about faith, we tend to think about faith from a perspective of trying to get individual things, individual promises, miracles, or some kind of results from God. And I'm not saying that that is not a factor of faith or something that's important about faith. But I'm, but I'm saying this, if that's where we start about faith, and I've thought about this a lot of times, we, we come into this stuff, we, we, you know, we come into, into uh, uh, knowing Jesus, trying to walk with God, and we go to church and, and they're teaching us about miracles and healings and all this kind of stuff and all these big, big, big things. But we're sort of like a person who has walked into the middle of a movie and it's a mystery movie, and we're trying to put the pieces together about who did what and what means what, and the problem is we didn't see the first half of the movie. And that's kind of the way we are as really as Gentiles who have been converted to Christianity without really having the knowledge of God that comes from the whole counsel of God, from the whole Word of God. You know, the, uh, the, the Apostle Paul said every Word of God is God-breathed, and it's, and it's useful, and it's beneficial. It's going to bring us to wisdom. It's going to develop us. It's going to make us stable. It's going to make us mature. It's going to make us effective at life and ministry. But the, but the problem is uh, most of us did not build and never had the chance to build this foundation that produces the kind of stability that you can go for the individual promises. You can go for the miracles. You can go for those things and actually get those kinds of results. You see, faith, though, doesn't start with trying to get things from God. As a matter of fact, if you approach faith from the perspective of trying to get things from God, you're going to end up a bitter person. Because first of all, 
Anytime you're doing anything to try to get God to respond to you, uh, based on, you know, how hard you pray, how long you pray, how hard you believe, that's, that's what the Bible calls dead works. You know, works are those, are those dead works. See, there's good works and there's dead works. Dead works are those things that we do. Uh, uh, really, though, it's trying to get God to do what He's already said He's going to do. We're trying to get it on our terms instead of on the terms uh, through which or by which by which He's offering it. So, so that's where that's where most of us live. But we're we're trying to trust a God that we've never really identified His true character and His true nature. And so, I mean, just stop and think about it. Faith is just trust. That's all it is. And so if, if I give my word to you and you really don't know me and something happens that makes it appear that is not going to happen, something happens that makes it appear that I'm delaying or whatever, if you don't really know me by experience and know that my word is good, then the real truth is you're going to begin to waver and your ability to trust me. Well, that's the problem that we have in general. See, we think we know God just because we've been saved. But knowing God is, is knowing and experiencing who He is, knowing and experiencing His character. You know, Jesus, uh, two scriptures I love to tie together is John 10, 10, where Jesus says, and I've come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. In other words, a, a life that experiences everything that God has to offer, uh, the quality of life that God possesses. But then in John 17, 3, I think it is, he says, and this is life to know experientially God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And so he wants us to have life, but the process whereby we experience this quality of life is through our, our intimate connection with God and coming to know Him on such a level that is not just information, but it's experience. So, so when I say what I'm about to say, some people get offended because they don't understand, you know, what I'm really saying. But our problem is, we kind of know who God is, but don't, we don't really know God very much experientially, even though we've been born again, even though we're on our way to heaven. Uh, you know, some people are going to meet God and go, oh man, I didn't even, I didn't even know you were like this. I thought you were, I thought you were mean and hard and, you know, you know, whatever. But, you know, we need to see God as He is right now. And when we begin to see Him as He is, then we're going to begin to trust Him. And as we begin to trust Him, we're going to begin to experience Him. And as we trust and experience Him, we have an we, we come to an immovable trust, an immovable faith. And I'm not talking about a faith that's blind. I'm not talking about a faith that doesn't know what's going to happen. I'm not talking about a faith that has anything to do with shutting your eyes and leaping off the cliff. I'm talking about a faith, a trust that comes because you know the one that you are trusting. Now, the Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I want you to understand something. This is as true in the new covenant as it was in the, in the old covenant. And by the way, let me just say this out. You know, God has not changed between the covenants. What has, what happened, uh, Really, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, what happened is the children of God, the Hebrews, moved away from 
the faith of their fathers, the faith, the faith of Abraham, knowing God by faith. Because see, salvation by faith, knowing God by faith, pleasing God by faith, has that's, not, that's always been the way you have to come to God. You know, trusting Him, trusting that He's who He says He is, trusting His account of, of, of everything. That's, that's faith. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what we all live by, Old Testament, New Testament. But see, the, the Jews kind of in, particularly in between the, the Testament period of time, they move from the faith of their fathers to what we call Judaism. And it was, it was in Judaism where, uh, where they created the Talmud that came up with 600 and something laws that you had to obey on a daily basis to obtain righteousness. Now, even though they said that this wouldn't give you righteousness, it was so emphasized and you were so ostracized, persecuted, and, and, and condemned if you didn't obey all of these laws that you, you, you made these laws your righteousness. And so, this, you know, this is why when Jesus would make reference, he'd say, now you've heard it said, he said, but this is what's written. And there, there was a vast difference in how people interpreted God, how, who, which affected who they believed God to be, which affected their, which affected their ability to trust him. And, 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 you know, what God wanted us to do and, and what Abraham did, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all of, David, these were people that their whole relationship with God was based on the trust factor. And so I want you to know anybody that's saying that the Old Testament, that Old Covenant was based on fear, they, they're not understanding what they're saying and they're, they're not factual in what they're saying. They're basing it on what happened in the Talmud. They're basing it on what the Jews turned the old covenant into. They turned it into something legalistic. And, uh, and so, you know, we don't want to go there. We're not talking about that. God has always been a God who says, I am dependable. I am reliable. Uh, take me at my word and put me, put me to the test by taking me by word, by trusting me and applying my word and see if your life doesn't get better and you're going to fall in love with me. So it's impossible to please God without faith because it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, so we have this process of, of, of coming to God. And, you know, the first thing is we've got to believe that he is. But one of the things about believing that God is, we've got to believe the version of God that he presents about himself, not the version of God that we assume to be true, not the version of God that our parents or our denomination or anybody else has told us. And so, you know, we have all of the Word of God. And you've heard me say this before. Then Jesus comes, and He is the Word made flesh. He is the living Word of God. Jesus comes as the personal manifestation of God. And in fact, you know, Hebrews uh, 1 1 says this. It says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by uh, his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So regardless of how God spoke to people in the past, God has one way of speaking and manifesting right now, and that is through the life the teaching, the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So, so this is where we start to see and understand who God is. But we've got to get down to the two fundamental factors of faith. And I'll be right back, and we're going to hit those straight on. 
You know, there's nothing more important than protecting your faith. That's one of the reasons the Bible tells you to guard your heart because out of your heart flows all of your abundance of the life because out of your heart is the seat of your faith. And listen, Faith of Missing Pieces is one of these series. I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people who recovered, lost, destroyed, and weakened faith because they learned the pieces that would put all of it back together and make it work like it was supposed to. You want to get this and you want to establish your faith. All right, here we go. We're going to hit the nail on the head. We're going to run at this thing. But listen, before I do, be sure, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, to click on the icon below that you like this broadcast. You know, the more people that like this broadcast and subscribe to this means there's going to be thousands of more people who are going to have the opportunity to see this. And you know what? If we're going to reach, if we're going to reach a billion people, we've got to all do it together. So be sure and click on that icon and, and, and help me reach a billion people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are uh, visible. So <clears throat> there's, when you begin to read Hebrews 11.1-3, you start realizing that trusting and believing in God as the Creator becomes one of the most fundamental factors uh, for our faith. Now, and in fact, let me just tell you, let me tell you what the two fundamental factors are that undergird all of our faith. It's believing God's account of creation and of, of the universe and believing God's account of the creation of man. And I'm going to tell you something. Until you are solid in those two areas, your faith will always be a little shaky. You know, <clears throat> false science has done more to undermine the Bible, undermine the Word of God, and undermine your faith than probably anything that you have ever been exposed to. Because we are led to believe that all scientists are scientific. We are led to believe that scientists have no agenda. But I got news for you. Uh, history says something completely different. You know, right now, if you were to go to MIT and look on the, li look on the library shelves of one of the most advanced physics libraries in the world, and, and if you were to read some of the most advanced physics books in the world, you would discover that uh, because we now understand the expansion of the universe and, 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 and we know at what rate the universe is expanding, and based on the, those calculations of the expansion of the universe, some of the greatest minds in, in physics have done the calculations, they've done the mathematics, and they realize now that, God, that all things were created, the earth was created, in, in, in six 24-hour periods exactly in the sequence that the book of uh, Genesis records. Now, you, you say, well, if that was true, we'd be hearing it. Well, no, it's not. You don't just hear what's true. You hear what people want you to hear based on their particular beliefs. And we live in a world that does not want to confirm the truth about God. We live in a world that very deliberately hides things that validate the Bible. I'll tell you something. There's parts of the Middle East that you can't get into, you can't get close to because they're trying to hide from, from 
people the realities of, of the Bible that can be clearly proven by anthropology, by, by various types of, of research and scientific development and study. So, you know, it, 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 it's just like evolution. You know, one of the uh, digs that was done in North America revealed incredible fossil evidence to the fact that what we call evolution or the law of evolution is absolutely false. In fact, there were tens of thousands of fossils that proved that evolution was not factual. I want you to know in all of the fossil records, there's only one fossil that even remotely suggests the idea of some type of, of evolution of creatures uh, uh, evolving into other creatures. And the Bible tells us what that fossil is. It's very clear about it. And, and you, you say, well, why, have, why haven't I heard about this? Because, because the organization that found all of that information, which is now called the Smithsonian, hid those tens of thousands of fossils to keep that knowledge from ever coming forth because evolution is the hinge pin, if you will. Evolution is, is the pivotal point whereby false science causes us not to believe the story of creation. Well, you see, when we begin to accept the truth about how God created the world, we start realizing that God was proactive in the way he created the world. He created the world where, where it could sustain life. We didn't have to do anything to get it to sustain life. He created the world. Actually, the world itself, the way it was created, you know, the, the, the oceans began to bring forth life of themselves. There are certain aspects of, of, of biological life that were brought into being proactively, if you will, by creation itself. Now, now God created this world in such a way that it can support healthy human life unless we absolutely mess it up. So you begin to see the wisdom and the proactive love of God in the way he brought creation together. If you want to understand more about that, get my book Apocalypse because even though the book Apocalypse can be kind of People, some people think it's kind of scary. Actually, the people who go all the way through and read it become very confident and, and very assured that we can be overcomers no matter what we face. But about two-thirds of the book of Apocalypse is about, the, is about this spiritual history of the world. And, and I got a lot of information in there about false science. You know what's interesting in the theory of evolution? You know, Darwin told us in his own book that we would have to ignore some of the laws of science in order to believe his theory of evolution. So let's say we ignore the laws of science and then we accept evolution as factual and then we say this is scientific, so you have to believe it. You know, it's just crazy. But the point is this. God is a creator. Every, everything God does brings forth life. Every, you know, God, he spoke. Everything that we need into existence, you know, I've said this before, everything that we need already exists potentially, which really means the outcome for success or failure is already in existence potentially. And one of the reasons it is, is because we have freedom of choice and because God put us in an environment and he says, here are the, here's the physical laws and how they work. And if you follow these physical laws, you're going to have, you're going to have health. You're going to have prosperity. You're going to have success. If you don't, you're going to have difficulty and, and not because God's making it difficult. It's just because of sowing and reaping. But the thing is the potential for wonderful success and the potential for horrible failure are there. And then we have the instructions 
for how to avoid the failures and how to enjoy the successes. God is proactive in his love. You know, he says, before you ask, I will answer. God programmed things into creation. God did things through the Lord Jesus Christ, which continued his proactive, preemptive love. You know, in Jesus, he's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So we're not having to beg him to create those things. He's, all, he's not only created them, but he has given them to us freely. We just have to believe those things. So believing in God as creator. But the second thing is believing God's account of the creation of man. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. And it gives a list of how we have dominion over everything that's on the earth. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Now listen, if, if people would accept the truth about how God created planet earth and then the truth about how God created man, most of our dilemmas of faith would go away. You know, one of the number one questions that people ask and they don't understand that they're asking they're falling for one of the oldest Luciferian lies that there is. People ask the question, well, if God's so good, why is he letting the world be such a horrible place? And did you know that Lucifer uses that lie? Secret societies use that lie to say, well, see, there's, there's the creator God, and then there's this God called Lucifer, the bearer of light, who gave understanding and knowledge to man. And you know that this creator God is wicked because look at how wicked the world is. No, I'll tell you what. The world is, is where it is because God gave man authority. And man has chosen to use that authority in a completely destructive manner rather than using it in a way that brought life. And so if we don't see, if we don't know that, if we don't trust how God created man, if we trust false science more than we trust God and his word, then rather than us having the authority and using the authority that God's given us, rather than us uh, uh, taking responsibility and not blame, but responsibility and saying, you know something, I can do something about this. I can do something about making this world a better place. See, if we, if we accept God's account, then we know we can make the world a better place. If we do not accept God's account, then we will blame God for how the world is. It is amazing the things for which people blame God that clearly are the end result of our decisions. So God is proactive in his love. Before you call on me, I will answer. In other words, God always makes a way before we create the problem. You know, I've said this before, and if you if you get my my daily inspirations, you, you already read this, but you know, one of the phenomenal things about God, God desires for us to have it better than we desire. I always think about the children of Israel where, and, and where he talked about in Psalm 81, I believe it's down about verse 16, where he talked about the fact that he would have given wheat, the finest of wheat. He would have given honey from the rock. You stop and think about the children of Israel walked through the desert for 40 years complaining about eating manna. And in their mind, God was the culprit who was keeping them from having something decent to eat. Well, God said, you know what? I would have given you the finest wheat. 
And in fact, he, he, he would have given meat. You know, there was one place where out of their lust, they cried out for meat and actually accused God of not being able to deliver. And he delivered all the quail they could eat. And of course, they started, they ate it until they were sick and, and, and it turned into a plague because of their, because of their lust for, for food. But God could have given them wheat and meat and wanted them to have that. And he says, I would have given them honey from the rock. Just stop and think about that. God wanted to have honey. They got water. So they got water and manna. You know, the word manna means what is it? In other words, this stuff was so bland, they didn't even know what it was. So God, they, they believe God. And the Bible says they limited God. And so even when God was wanting to do more in their life because of what they believed of God, what they brought out of Egypt with them, they were limiting God to their the scope of their own faith. And that's what we do. Listen, don't go away. I'll be right back with the mentoring moment. If you're ready for your faith to explode into something effective and powerful, if you're ready to take everything you know about God and bring the pieces together so they work, then you want to get faith, the missing pieces. I'm telling you, it's going to transform your belief, your trust for God. You know, God has opened some great doors for us. I want to give you the opportunity to step through them with us. We just recently sent about 125 copies of Taking the Limits Off God to some of our veterans that are deployed in the Middle East. We also just sent about 150 copies of How to Stop the Pain to a prison that's taking prisoners through using this book and doing a book study together. We've also started dozens of Bible schools in third world countries over the last few months. And we do all of that without asking for a dime or charging them anything because I always tell them our world changers always want to be a part of reaching people around the world. I want you to consider becoming a world changer or at least giving us a generous donation to help us. We've got more books to send out. We've got more Bible schools to start. We are changing the way the world sees God and we are spreading this message all over the world, but I need you to help me financially. So be sure and go to our website and become a part of our World Changer family. You know, one of the things we have to do is renew our mind. And we tend to think about renewing our mind simply from the perspective of getting new information. Well, you know what? That's part of it. And we need to start with getting the information that God has given us and getting it straight. And once we take God's Word and run it through the filter of the life, the teachings, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which always means we're going to apply it from the basis of love. And love, when applied, always uh, uh, holds God in high regard. It holds yourself in high regard. It holds the other person in high regard. And if it fails on any, any one of those three factors, then it's really not God's version of love. It's some other love. So, so we, 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 we learn God's Word. That gives us the facts. Now, you've learned something, I hope, today. You've learned that I have to trust God as creator. And you know something? There's great research that you can get. There's great books that you can get. If you'll look up the bibliography uh, in my book, Apocalypse, you'll see many of the books that I use to get scientific uh, information from that, that comes from qualified sources. So, so you've learned that you've got to see and know God as a proactive, loving creator who who created a world specifically for us that has the ability to sustain life indefinitely. The second thing we have to realize is that God created us in His likeness as an image. What, so what does that mean? That means that 
I always have freedom of choice. It means he never violates my will. It means that I have authority here on planet earth and I, I can use the authority uh, based on God's word. I can exercise authority over any situation that I choose. Again, based on God's Word, and that gets back to binding and loosening. If you've ever heard any of my teaching about faith and about prayer, you know what binding and loosening really about. It's about declaring something to be lawful because Jesus uh, gave it to you, or declaring it to be unlawful because de Jesus delivered you from it. It's just, it's just really that simple, but you have to make that choice. So based on these realities, you want to make decisions, and you want to qualify everything that you say you believe about God. Take just a few minutes and hit that subscribe button and help me reach more people around the world with this message. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.